Hello, and welcome to the Homeschool Sanity Show, your prescription for happier, healthier homeschooling. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Wilson, Christian psychologist turned homeschooling mother of six. Let's get started. Hey, homeschoolers. Last week, I shared my discussion with Dana White about decluttering. This week, I'm sharing my interview with Joshua Becker, who is known for his writing on minimalism. He recently published the book, Things That Matter, that you are going to want to get a copy of. After our conversation about it, I found myself inspired to declutter the garage, focus on my family, and trust God with the crazy times we're living in. To see the part of our conversation that inspired me most, check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Melanie Wilson. Now, here's the interview. Joshua, thank you so much for joining me here on the Homeschool Sanity Show. We are going to jump right into the topic in a minute because I can't wait to talk with you about this subject. But before I do ask you all about it, I would love to have you share a little bit more about yourself and your family for those of my listeners who aren't as familiar with you. Yeah, sure. I can give you some of the details and you let me know if I miss anything that you uh, really want to hear me say. Um, I have two kids. Uh, My son, Salem, is 19 and my daughter, Alexa, is 16. And I've been married for 22, 23 years, somewhere in there. My wife probably knows for sure. she's (laughs) She's had to put up with me for that long. Uh, I grew up in, um, I did a a fair bit of moving around in the upper Midwest when I was young, South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, uh, finished high school and college in Omaha, Nebraska, thought I was going to be a banker uh, because that's what my dad does, but ended up becoming a pastor instead, which is what my grandpa did. Um, So I was a pastor for 15 years and then started writing about minimalism. And um, I've been doing that full time for the last 10 years, last uh, eight or 10 years. And uh, I, most people uh, can't wait to quit their jobs to become a writer. Uh, but I, uh, I loved pastoring. Uh, mm-hmm. And I always thought I would do that for the rest of my life. But um, uh, writing became a passion and started taking more and more time. So that's uh, what I've been doing the past uh, eight or 10 years trying to help people um, own less stuff and live more life because of it. Yes. And it's really been a popular topic with people. You know, it's still, even since you wrote your initial book and started blogging about it, it's still such an important topic that people want to hear more about. But you made the leap in your latest book from talking about minimalism to talking about living a meaningful life. And I was hoping that you could tell us what the connection is between those two topics for you. Yeah. So for me, I think they've always been, uh, they've always been connected. Uh, minimalism was never, uh, the goal, um, for me, the goal of minimalism was never just to own less stuff, uh, but minimalism was always a means to an end. Uh, I, I could notice how um, 
we were never incredibly wealthy, but lived a pretty typical middle-class life and just seemed to accumulate more and more and more and more stuff. And I uh, found minimalism when my son was five and my daughter was two, actually on a Saturday morning when I was cleaning out my garage and I had spent hours cleaning out my garage uh, while my son wanted me to come play with him in the backyard and just had this realization that all the things I owned were actually taking me away from the thing that that mattered most to me. Um, and so for me, minimalism was always about owning less to free up money, time, focus, energy, so that I could live for more important pursuits than just owning a bunch of stuff uh, that I didn't need. And so the connection, I think, between writing about minimalism and this new book, uh, Things That Matter, Overcoming Distraction to Pursue a More Meaningful Life, was, was, always, um, was always there for me in my pursuit, uh, although this articulates it a little bit better. And um, my first two books were all about minimalism in possessions specifically. This one gets into, I think, some broader distractions that keep us from uh, meaningful lives. So things beyond possessions, but things like um, money and accolades and past mistakes and fear and uh, overcoming all those, I think, distractions that just keep us from uh, living our, our our most meaningful lives that we can. Can you speak to what does it mean to live a meaningful life? I think we have so many definitions of that in our culture today. And so what is it for you? What does it mean to live a meaningful, no regrets kind of life? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that is a hard question. Um, and, uh, and I, I'm, I'm not able to answer that for each person. I, I think I provide a, a pretty helpful framework in the book to begin thinking through what that might look like for, uh, for a particular person. Um, for me personally, uh, because of my uh, faith and background, like a meaningful life to me would be, I want to accomplish uh, the good work that God has prepared for me to do. Like if I, if I can do that, then I think that my life was meaningful uh, and my life will be significant. And the the work that God prepared for me to do is different than the work that God prepared for my wife to do, or you to do, or anyone who might be who might be listening. Um, but that's what uh, I think a meaningful life is. I, 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 I d- the book is not a um, it's not a, a Christian book in in all the, the worldview is Christian, but it's not written specifically for Christians. And I, I think that, um, you know, even someone who, who isn't a Christian uh, specifically can still, I think, live a life that, that does the greatest good for the greatest number of people um, and can still look back and find meaning in, in how they live. So the, the premise of the book is um, how do we get to the end of our lives with with fewer regrets, uh, more satisfied with how we live. And I think we do that by identifying what is meaningful um, and then by removing distractions uh, that keep us from that meaningful pursuit uh, and doing it every single day, um, trying to uh, overcome those distractions. Yes, and it it really is a daily pursuit. Yeah. I, I have so many times thought, okay, 
I'm going to focus on what is most important and I'm not going to let these things distract me. <laughs> and then yeah. I have to make that decision maybe an hour later. <laughs> yeah. Once again, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting question. You know, the, the, the world, the, the culture society is very much, I think, focused on uh, happiness and mm -hmm. how do I, how do I live a happy life? And I don't, I don't always think our, our most meaningful the most meaningful things that we'll accomplish in life are necessarily happy, uh, although I think that they they might bring joy. Or when we get to the end of our lives, we'll we'll feel fulfilled with what we did, even if there weren't a lot of happy moments in there. I, what do you think? How how'd I do? Would you, yes. uh, would you would you describe a meaningful life different than that, or? Or you know, I I wouldn't describe it differently, but I can give you an example that was very powerful in my life. A friend yeah. of mine who is not a fellow Christian and I were having this discussion about my life and some struggles I was having and, you know, my unhappiness with what I had achieved in this particular area we were talking about. And she said, Melanie, you know, you have great relationships with your kids. You have a strong marriage. You do work that you love. And I can't really think of a more successful life than that. And it was, it was one of the most meaningful things that mm. anyone has said to me because I was not thinking of I guess the measuring stick for my success or how meaningful my life was in that way. Um, I was really using what the culture says a meaningful life is, um, yeah. you know, so maybe like, um, you know, as a podcaster, how many people download my podcast every week or how many book sales I've had, you know, those kinds of things. And she really helped me mm. to see that that's, you know, no, no one talks about that at someone's funeral. No yeah. one talks about that. It's always about the relationships and the love and the care that the person who has um, passed on left behind. Um, so I think I think you nailed it. Um, and I think it's it's just so important for us to constantly be reminded that that's what a meaningful life is. And it's it's not about these other distractions, as you say. Yeah, I had a uh, um, a good friend, just reminds me of a, a good friend of mine who uh, who felt very strongly that, that God was calling them to, uh, to adopt um, a, a child, an older child. And um, like the adoption and the, just the adjustment of the, of the older child who had just been through so much trauma, like it, like it was really difficult on him and his wife and, and their marriage. And, um, it was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't happy, like it, it, a happy season. It wasn't even something that I think you would describe as like, we are being successful in this, but it was like, it was what they knew God called them to do and the work that he wanted them to do in this, in this person's life. And uh, I mean, I'm sure it, it took energy that, you know, could have resulted in a bigger paycheck and, you know, like more fame in any area, whatever it might've been. But, um, 
but it was, it was what God, what God called them to do. And, and I actually, I, I spoke to them just before I was going on stage to talk about success and, mm-hmm. and like their, their story was, was in my head that, that sometimes success in, uh, in, in what God calls us to do looks, looks very different from how the world uh, defines it. So anyway. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's, that's a wonderful mm-hmm. example. Well, let's talk about the distractions. Why aren't we focused on living that meaningful life, that no regrets life? What gets in the way of that? And I am really curious to know, what would you say is your biggest distraction? Um, so in the book, I, I lay out eight distractions. Um, we, uh, we did a survey, a nationwide survey to, uh, to help, um, shape some of the the thinking and some of the distractions that, that went into the book, some that I had just seen in my own life and it's seen in, in other persons, other people's lives. So, uh, we list, um, the, the eighth, I go through in the book, uh, the distraction of fear, uh, past mistakes, happiness, um, or at least the, the pursuit of happiness in selfish pursuits, uh, is, is the way I define it in the book, uh, money, possessions, accolades, um, leisure and tech, uh, although uh, tech trivial, trivial is probably a better way to describe um, that, that tech distraction. So, so those are the eight. I, uh, whenever I describe the, the, whenever I give the book and the subtitle, Things That Matter, Overcoming Distraction to Pursue a More Meaningful Life, people think to themselves, oh, you're going to help me put down my phone. <laughs> and, uh, and I say, yeah, there, there's a chapter about that in the book, but it, it really, I think, gets into some some deeper heart issues of, you know, just our constant need for m- more money all the time, the the possessions that we acquire, the way that um, reputation or praise from others shapes the the things that we do, how uh, even how fear of past mistakes can can keep us from that. Kind of it reframes the idea of work um, and leisure and and how those uh, work in society as well. If if I had to say the one that I, I don't know. So for me, um, finding minimalism, recognizing how my possessions were distracting me from living my most meaningful life sparked this thought. And so began owning less on purpose and intentionally owning less, which then caused me to rethink money in a different way. Like if I don't need a bunch of money to buy a bunch of stuff, then What's the role of money in my life, which then forced me to rethink work. Like hmm. if, if work isn't about making the money to go buy the things, then what's the, the meaning in work and how, how do all these things play together? Um, so those are really the three distractions I think really um, caused me to start noticing conversations and how people were living and what the, the world was promoting. Um Honestly, I, I usually say that the, the distraction of fame, the distraction of accolades uh, of reputation is probably the one that I struggle with the most. Um, I, I always think it probably goes back to my, my childhood. I have parents who are great and love all of us the same, but I have a twin brother and he was always the star athlete on, in high school and um <laughs> And I wasn't, and I, I probably had a, and probably at a pretty young age, I felt like I was always trying to 
fight for attention and that my accomplishments would get noticed, even though they were, but you don't always mm-hmm. feel like they were because it's a, a little different type. So that's probably the one that um, I always think probably motivates me unhealthily um, mm-hmm. so often. Absolutely. And I can truly relate to that one. Although I, I would say that my version of that one is probably connected to another distraction, which I hope you will speak to next, which is fear. So my distraction of other people's opinion tends to come down to fear and a fear of being rejected and, um, you know, just attacked, especially (laughs) in our current culture. Um, But Mm. what about what about that fear distraction? Um, uh, Yeah, fear, uh, fear gets us in a lot of different ways. And um, I always think um, fear and uh, fear and and hope um, are are, are closely related emotions. You know, I'm, I'm fearful of this. So I hope that will happen. Or I, I want that to happen because I'm afraid of what would, what the outcome uh, might be. And so mm-hmm. pretty, uh, pretty closely related. And so I could see how, you know, a, a fear of rejection would the opposite side of that is that people would accept me and mm-hmm. that I would be popular or have a lot of downloads or book sales or, you know, whatever it might be. And like, oh, okay. People do, uh, people do like me. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the fear one was, was really a, a fascinating topic. And I think a pretty important one, um, fear of failure and, and all the different ways that, 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 that plays itself out, not just the fear of failure keeps us from getting started, but the fear of failure can help us set like really low bar, like a really low goal for our lives. If I'm afraid of failing, then I, I set a really small goal trying to accomplish it rather than, uh, rather than, um, really, I think living up to our, our fullest potential or the, or the fear of, you know, getting started again. I, I interviewed, um, a friend of mine for the book who, um, uh, he always, he always, says he has this fear of being found out um, and stems from his childhood and just some of the things his parents always said to him about being a good for nothing and uh, a lot of stuff like that. And he said that, that that fear has really sabotaged every good job I've ever had is what he said. And he would get into an organization and succeed, like be promoted and promoted and promoted and he said, the higher I got, uh, rather than finding confidence in that, I just became more fearful that now um, I'm going to be found out in an even bigger way or the, the, the more responsibility they give me, the more fearful I am that they're going to think they're going to find out that I'm good for nothing. And mm-hmm. uh, man, just, you know, shaking some of that stuff is... Um, takes a lot of work. Uh, and like he would even say, it's, it's like a daily battle for me just every day going to work thinking, okay, I can, I can do this. I'm, I'm equipped to, to do this job. Um, gets us in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So true. And I was just thinking, I, first of all, I loved the connection that you drew for us between minimalism and then money and then work. 
And I could see how it could really snowball in a positive way once you start limiting your possessions. But now that we're talking about fear, I'm thinking about its relationship to people having um, kind of a block when it comes to minimalism. You know, I don't want to... I don't want to get rid of these things, you know, especially in this economy. I have to hang on to things because who knows what's around the corner. So what would you say to someone who is dealing with that kind of fear that is keeping them from minimizing their possessions? Yeah, a, a lot of thoughts there. Um, a, a lot of thoughts. My my first initial thought, like the first thing I try to help people to think through is number one, if you're looking for security in physical possessions you're you're never going to find it uh like you're you're never going to have enough stuff it's a little bit like money in that way mm-hmm. where um like over 80% of millionaires would say that they don't have enough money and and we think okay i i just want to have enough money to feel secure and the problem is we never we never get there. Like even if you have a million dollars, you don't feel like you have enough. And it can be the same way with possessions where if the thinking is, I just need to hold on to this stuff because I'm afraid of what might happen, then you're just going to keep collecting more and more and more and more because you're never going to have enough uh, that's going to make you feel secure. So um, there's number one, just just reshaking, reshaping that that thinking. The reality is, um, you know, uh, most of us we're so individualistic in in our thinking today. Mm-hmm. Where like I need to have everything in my own four walls. Where mm-hmm. I mean, the reality is, if you did get rid of something that you ended up needing, like your neighbor probably has it, <laughs> or if your neighbor doesn't, the, the person next door probably has it. And so uh, I, I try to encourage people to, you know, there's, there's another fear to, to think through. I mean, why, why don't we ever fear um, owning something that we don't need for the rest of our lives? Or how about the fear of I'm keeping something that's collecting dust on my shelf that could be used by the single mother somewhere in my town and I'm depriving them of the opportunity to use that item because I'm afraid to, to let it go. And um, so I think that there's other fears that we should be thinking through and, and can be thinking through. And, um, you know, just from a, you know, a, a, a Christian point of view, I mean, we're, I'm not ever going to find security in the things that I own, but my security is in a God that, is going to take care of me and is going to provide for me. And if he cares for the birds, then then he's going to take care of me. And it's not about keeping a basement full of stuff. Um, that's not how God's going to provide for us if that's needed. <clears throat> right. So good. I loved <laughs> I loved that response because um, mm. you're right. I I honestly hadn't thought about how, especially I think here in the United States, we have such an individualistic culture that, you know, we have to have our own vehicle. Everything has to be our own. And, you know, 
obviously we all live in communities, whether that's a neighborhood or a church or even even an online community. And we've all seen people rally around those who have needs. And of course, in the Bible, as you're referencing too, I mean, the early Christians shared with one another. Mm-hmm. Anyone who had need, that was provided for by the community. Yeah. Um, but we we have kind of lost our way with that, or, or maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but um, I have definitely been having this fear that I have to um, provide for my own future. Yeah. And it's not about, <clears throat> you know, minimalism isn't about being lazy and and doing nothing, right? I mean, I, I right. it, you know, the Bible says each of us should uh, look out not just for our own in- interests, but also the interests of others. So I'm not talking about quitting your job and doing nothing and laying on the couch <laughs> waiting for God to take care of you. But like, I do my work and, and I do my contribution. <clears throat> and if I see a need down the road, and if I see someone who could use those old baby clothes, or if I see someone who could use my old homeschool books, then like I pass them along and I, I give them to someone who can use them. And, and in return, uh, I think I, I'm, I'm able to have more confidence that, that God is going to take care of me if I ever was in a desperate situation. I, I just, I, I, I just can't picture a God where I give away my things to help people in need. And then somehow God doesn't provide for my need if it, if it arises. So anyway. So good again. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for reminding us of that. Um, It's so easy. I think, especially at this time when we are saturated with media that uses our fear to distract us you know that's their job to get our attention and fear is an excellent way to get our attention yeah so yeah (laughs) so i would like to ask you even though i know it's the most popular area where people are expecting you to give counsel um, and wisdom is with tech distractions i'm still Mm. really interested for your take on it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, sure. I mean, it is the, it is a, it's probably the distraction that we can most easily identify in our own lives. Like we can feel it and and we can see it and like, man, I just spend all night, you know, looking at my phone or watching TV or, or whatever it might be. Um, so it's a, a helpful conversation and there's a lot of different, um, you know, uh, hacks, you know, I'm live my life in this world. So, you know, putting a rubber band over your phone and moving the apps around and like all those things can be really helpful. Um, but really what we need to do is just rethink the whole role of technology in our lives. And, um, I always think that cause there's benefit to it. Like we're doing this today because mm-hmm. of, because of tech and, uh, I, for me, I always encourage people to think through the difference between creating and consuming, mm-hmm. um, using technology for good as opposed to technology using us. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I can I can be on Facebook or I can be you know anywhere. I can be on a blog. Like I can be out in the world 
saying nice things, uh, creating content, encouraging people. Like I, I can use technology for good or I can scroll endlessly through my social media feed or try to beat the next 10 levels of Candy Crush or binge <laughs> another season of something on Netflix or whatever it might be. So um, like really trying to notice a difference between when am I using this for good and when is it just using me, I think is the, mm. the most helpful way, at least for for me who makes my mm -hmm. living online and, and mm -hmm. you obviously who, who do a lot online and oh, most yeah. people do something online. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, uh, of taking a, a fast from, from technology. And the first time I did it was over a, a Lent season actually, and, and just taking 40 days. And, um, for me, it was 40 days without, without any tech other than using my phone for my phone and using my phone for text and, um, email at a couple designated times, um, for work. And I, I put everything else away and just went 40 days without it to try to recalibrate and, um, slowly reintroduce it back into my life after that, after that time. So yeah, you're, you've tried it too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I did a social media fast this last fall mm -hmm. and I would say the biggest surprise in doing that is that I didn't miss it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I really didn't miss it. In fact, I wished that I could just exit from it, but I made the decision that I shouldn't exit, but that is because I use it in a ministry way. Mm -hmm. And that needed to be reflected in the kind of content that I was producing, that it needed to be for the benefit of other people and not to get clicks or, you know, uh, likes and shares and that kind of thing. Although I think when you do meet people's needs, that is the likely result. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was, it was amazing to me that something I felt at times that I was addicted to wasn't very gratifying, you know? It, it's like you finally took a break from eating cotton candy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to realize that this is not filling at all. <laughs> this is not satisfying. So it has really shifted my perspective. And one of the things that I would add to what you're saying, um, you know, asking yourself if if you're using it, using tech in an, in an intentional, um, creative, you know, putting things out there kind of way is, you know, what what is your mood like after you use social media or after you watch the Netflix show, the series or whatever? And I, mm -hmm. I kept finding that I just, I felt so discouraged and down and sometimes irritable. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, wow, it's not that hard of a decision to make that this is not filling me and it's not yeah. making me a better mom and a better wife and a better friend. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, as I mentioned in the book, I, I really think it is the first step that, that people should try. Like it's, it's easy to think, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to use social media in the evening or I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm just going to like tone it down a little bit. Um, and, and honestly, I think if 
like if we're struggling with it, which most people are like, this is something I do every year. Like if it's, if someone's listening, like, I really think I'm wasting too much time on technology, like, like take a month away. Like, mm-hmm. like it, it sounds rough. I remember someone, the first time I ever heard someone cut out sugar for 30 days, I'm like, wow, that <laughs> must've been really difficult. And they're like, it wasn't that difficult. Like it was tough the first couple of days, but then it felt great. And mm-hmm. now I don't know why I'm having sugar again. Like, but mm-hmm. you just kind of fall into that, fall in that trap. But I would like, I would just say like, put it away for uh, a month, um, mm-hmm. and just see what see what happens, um, mm-hmm. because you'll you'll no doubt after the month typically return to something, but it'll be mm-hmm. in a far more intentional way, and you can notice again, hey, I wasn't irritable during that time, or man, I was able to think more deeply and clearly, and mm-hmm. I, I hated people less. I. I, I just, <laughs> It's just, it's just, it's just, it it really does uh, play a bigger role in our lives and attitude than we think. Right. There is a quote and now it is escaping me who said it, but it basically said that we shouldn't be focusing on things that make us love God and other people less. That mm. makes so much mm. sense to me. You know, if we if we're we're having less faith and less love for other people, then it's time to take a break. Yeah, um, I when I was even in Bible school, we did a <clears throat> I had a, a, a Tertullian, I think, on shows. I, I just remember the name of the article. On shows is an essay that one of the church fathers wrote, and it was it was all about like going to the Colosseum to watch like the Olympics and uh, and all the different things and. In one case, he said that um, that that stuff was unhelpful for the Christian, and like his his argument was, when you're there, are you thinking about God or are you thinking about something else? And if mm. what you're putting in front of you isn't uh, causing you to think more about God, but it's causing you to think more about the world, uh, then it's um, not healthy for us spiritually. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, even Very way back good. when, you know, wrestling with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, and it's not new, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. when TV first came out, I'm sure it was the same thing. Or when radio first came out, it's probably the same thing, or even books, right? Like all that. It's just human nature, I think, to uh, be distracted from things that matter most. Mm hmm. It is human nature, but we are fortunate that you have put so much wisdom and I think just some thoughtful, not extreme direction Mm -hmm. for us in how we can escape from distractions for most of the time, at least, and really focus in on having a life that is meaningful, one that we can feel proud of that we don't have these serious regrets. I mean, uh, we may have regrets about watching a particular show or video (laughs) or reading some social media posts, but we don't have to have regrets over how we have spent the lion's share of our time. So I just so appreciate what you have written and what you have been sharing with us today. But I would love for you to tell us how we can get a copy of things that matter. 
things that matter, overcoming distraction to pursue a more meaningful life should be available anywhere and everywhere, wherever you buy books or um, read books uh, should be there. So uh, look it up or if you walk in a store and it's not there, I'm sure they can get it. Um, my home base online is becomingminimalist.com. And um, obviously I'm uh, do a lot of other things, YouTube channel and, and that sort of stuff, but um, becomingminimalist.com is always home base for me. And um, so appreciate you asking. Absolutely. And I will share links to all the things that you have mentioned there. So it's convenient for people who are watching and listening to us. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy life to share this with us. It was really an inspiration for me. Well, it was my pleasure. And uh, thank you for having me on and letting me, letting me talk about uh, stuff I'm passionate about. I appreciate it. To get a copy of Things That Matter, and to connect with Joshua online. See the show notes at homeschoolsanity.com slash things that matter. Have a happy homeschool week. Thank you for joining me. Happy, healthy homeschooling can be yours. It begins with one small step. Let's continue the conversation on social media. I'm at Psycho with Six. This has been a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.